So, um, welcome to Chris. Oh, Chris, welcome. I can hear you. Yeah, welcome yes, to yes, the Chris and the Rash show. Uh, we are live and we're excited to have our program today. Welcome to the show, Chris. How are you doing? Uh, great. Thanks for having me on. Oh, for sure. Well, this is our show. So, oh, and yeah. we're going to talk about <laughs> uh, we're both co hosts here and uh, oh, yeah. we're going to talk about relationships today. Right. How do you feel about that? I feel great. I got a bunch of questions for you. Okay, I got a bunch of questions for you too. So, just to explain what's gonna what's kind of gonna happen here, I will bring in my own experiences and knowledge about relationships. Um, I've been married for um, fifteen years, and seventeen years uh, in in the same relationship. And Chris has a lot of experience in terms of online dating, which I have lots of questions about. So it's going to be uh, quite a bit of fun. Yeah. All right. So um, let's get um, started here. Who who wants oh, to go maybe first? I just, uh, and if I could just say a few Sorry, words. Sorry, let's but... introduce you first. Right. Yeah, so that's I, right. So Chris um, yeah. as you mentioned, I... I think the longest relationship I was in was seven years and I was married for some of those. And then I was in a relationship for maybe four and then another one for three. Um, but for sort of most of my adult life, I've been single and dating where, you know, where relationships would last relation. Maybe the word relationships isn't the right word. The, the, the very popular, the, the trendy word these days is situationship. You know? Oh, that's the first time I'm hearing that, but all right, situationship. <laughs> it's like, wasn't really a full relationship, you know, and, and they tend to go like three, four months and then flame out very quickly, like lots of excitement in the beginning. And then it's sort of like, well, what are we doing? <laughs> and then it's over. So that, um, and then just a lot of times in between of just, not really dating and just being on my own and being fine with that. Um, and so, yeah, they're very different experiences. So um, how, how, how many years, I would think years now, of experience have you had with online dating? Um, roughly over 10, probably closer to 15 years on and off here and there. And I did it. I used to live in Japan. I lived there for eight and a half years and I was married for six of them. And then I had two years where I was very much a bachelor, sort of making up for lost time. And so I, that's sort of what I kind of jumped into online dating in, in a foreign country. And so that was also a kind of a, a different experience than it is when you do it in your own culture. Um, yeah, yeah. So, so you have cross-cultural experiences of online dating, which is which is really amazing. Say, say that again. So you have cross-cultural online dating experiences. Right. That's amazing. <laughs> That's really cool. All right. So um, yeah, let's get started. Maybe you can uh, ask uh, me some questions, and yeah. I can talk about my own experience of relationships. Again, uh, my. My view is kind of limited. Of course, I haven't had much of online dating experience. I did have one oh. years ago before I met my wife. So, and, and that was pleasant, but um, that was about it. So I'm, it's just one tiny experience, but I can talk about the relationships. Uh, well, the relationship experience, it's single yeah. that I've had over the years. Yeah. So, let's so go ahead. here's my first question for you. What makes a successful long-term relationship? Hmm. What makes it successful? Um, I think if uh, one of the main things is is to be happy, like um, that you feel that you are satisfied in your relationship. I mean, it's not that every day needs to be a happy day, but that you feel that you are complementing each other in many ways, and you feel there is an element of trust there between uh, the two of you. A kind of Again, for me, um, I think a relationship, you really need also commitment and trust. And those are things that I think are, are vital blocks. I mean, if, if people say, well, you might have a relationship without commitment, to me, that would not be uh, an intimate relationship, a close relationship, how I would perceive it. And again, um, with one person in this case. Right. Interesting. So trust, um, commitment. 
Um, I guess I was thinking, I was, thought you were going to say communication. Communication, absolutely. It's there. And I think that goes hand in hand with the trust. So they're able to communicate um, with each other. And, um, and that is tough to communicate. Actually, well, just as a general rule, it takes work to make a relationship work. And right. so it is that that constant um, communication, the effort there and uh, miscommunication that does happen and try to clear that and try to to have the occasional discord there, but then um, try to repair those things, try to make compromises. So it's it's a mix of various things. And one thing I like to see in terms of relationship, I like to see it as a Venn diagram, like a successful relationship. Maybe to come back to, to the, the question you asked me at the beginning, I think a successful relationship is you have a Venn diagram and so and I hope everybody's familiar with that. And so there is uh, um, quite there should be quite a bit of overlap, um, not minimal. I think quite a bit of overlap where things you agree on, um, things you both enjoy, activities and so on. But there should be also the space where you can be clearly yourself that's separate. So um, when I do podcasting and my wife doesn't do podcasting, I'm OK with that. Right. It doesn't mean that we have to be identical. And that is actually a bit scary if that happens. Right. So you want to have your own space as well. But the main part should be the parts that you do together. So if you don't have any interest in common, uh, I don't think that will work for that wouldn't be a successful relationship. The chances are very low. It could be. Yeah. Right. You need some some glue there. Right. Like some mm -hmm. kind of. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Um... I guess just on that same topic, I just feel like that communication piece in um, is a real dividing line. You know, like I think mm -hmm. that in my relationships, I've had relationships where for the most part, I feel like communication, it was sort of, we'll talk about things up to a point, but it's not always appropriate to talk about everything. And, and then I've had relationships where it was like, no, we're going to be 100% you know, on things, like as they come up and we're going to be transparent about things. Um, and that actually, ultimately, as I'm saying this, as the words coming out of my mouth, I actually now realize I've experienced the far extreme of that, which ultimately destroyed the relationship, where it's like, there is a sense of like, time and place, you know, like, it, we're not just, you know, sometimes you don't have to like, address everything and in the moment as it happens. Um, but I, but for the most part, I would say a lot of the relationships I was in, there wasn't enough communication and that's what kind of messed things up. And there was always a feeling of like, we talk about things up to a limit, mm -hmm. but then it wasn't, you know, it's like now we're going too far. Like now we're deep delving too deeply into this and we don't have the patience and we don't have the time. And the purpose of a couple is to have some fun, get together, don't don't bring the mood down with yet another long deep dive into what happened and analyze you know analyze whatever. I but, think it could also be too much communication, right? It's just having that that balance too. But I think if it depends also on the level of the relationship. But once you've gone, the, you've you are deciding that it is going to be a long term relationship. It is committed. That that is the plan. I think you should be quite authentic and. Basically, nothing should be off limits. If there's anything right. that you say, I don't feel comfortable talking about that, who are you going to talk about those things, right? So it has to be that person. There are certain things that we don't share with partners and so on, that's fine. But it's, if it's concerned concerning the relationship, I think there should be that openness. And you should be able to have uncomfortable, difficult discussions and be open to willing to change or reach compromises and so on. I think that that give and take is, is hugely important too. Yeah. And, and, and I guess I feel like that's a part of this where in order to have some of those conversations, you know, you, you sort of have to be very willing to be very vulnerable, you know, yes, and to be able absolutely. to say, this is how I'm feeling. And, you know, some, and you might have to go to some uncomfortable territory. And I think, a lot of people are afraid of that. They're afraid of it for two reasons. I think one of them is that's a conversation that may abruptly end your relationship. 
right? Like there's maybe things you're like, oh, let's just pretend everything's fine. Let's well, I, I wouldn't do it on the first date, obviously. But <laughs> again, that is something that, yes, if what is what do you want from a relationship or is it a situationship or relationship? And what do you want? And I think, well, even from the beginning, both people need to be open to that. So there is no misunderstanding or, oh, I thought we're going to get married. And you say, no, I, that was just a fling, right? So it's it's that is, I think, important to be on the same page. And then, yes, you do want to take it step by step. But that's the only place that you can be fully vulnerable because I think you, you can't do it in front of your boss. Yeah, you don't want to go and say, I'm vulnerable now and, no, no. and cry. I mean, it's okay. I, no, I wouldn't have a problem with that. Like romantic. <laughs> You but, know, but you know, this is, I think, a relationship is really where you should be yourself, your true self, and the other person as well. And if you're playing a role, or the other person is playing, or both of you are playing roles, then you're not having an authentic relationship. Right. And and I think the key part of that is, uh, you know, when you talk about commitment, to me, commitment is about acceptance you know like accepting the other person and a willingness to sort of accept that they're going to accept you as you are so you mm-hmm. should be fine to say whatever is you know what whatever you're feeling should be fine to share with them um without feeling like oh you know it's very conditional here and and you know you only like me if i'm being funny and i'm really being on but if i drone on a little bit too long about my feelings then this is this is boring you know screw this and I've been in those relationships where it felt that way, where it's like I, I just instinctively wouldn't share too much because I sensed that there was a let's keep it light kind of mm-hmm. feeling. And it wasn't even necessarily about me or the relationship, but it's that person's general life approach, you know, mm-hmm. kind of keep it light. Like, let's let's not let's not look too deeply into ourselves or, or into what life's about. That's just that's that's just a, you know boring or that's a little too scary so you know just philosophical questions deep thoughts maybe too nerdy or whatever and that's the venn diagram too you say yeah. okay you know what there's just like just tiny bit of overlap and i don't think it'll work out and uh, what they experience if they experience happiness it would be very on a very superficial level because in order to have deep lasting happiness you do have to go deep into it i think and so um there won't be much of a connection, which is fine. But unless you know, unless you want something more, then the, the deeper connection will be by showing yourself the way you are, and the the other person, like you're saying, accepting you as you are. One mm-hmm. thing I see is the saver syndrome. That's uh, where the person is basically taking on a challenge and say, "Okay, uh, this person is an alcoholic, and I'm gonna help this person to overcome it, and they're gonna change." And in reality, it's like you can't really change people that much. You can, but to a certain degree, and that shouldn't be that shouldn't be the uh, the challenge of the relationship. It's you again accept them, but then slowly you can work on changing things within the relationship, right? But not having as as your mission, I'm gonna change this person. I'm gonna change. Uh, this is a, a person who is gay, and I'm gonna make them heterosexual. That, that kind of thing. It just it's just really thwarted, and that some people uh, operate in that way. I think. Yeah. Well, I think that there's a key difference between sort of demanding change for you know for its own sake and growth. You know where <laughs> exactly. And yeah. I think you know like I've been in relationships where I have made changes. You know, sort of at in the relationship, and some of those changes were really because of uh, personal growth, because the other person, mm-hmm. the relationship brought something out in me or illuminated something that needed attention. And it was humbling, but it did kind of for- cause me to grow. And then there was other times that I made changes that was essentially editing myself, you know, and, and those were negative, you know, and that, that's a trying to change for someone just just to please them, obviously, is not mm-hmm. is not growth. Right. Mm-hmm. So exactly. there's a big yeah. difference between um, those two. Um, and but then just to touch on the other side of it, of because, again, it's a kind of a fresh experience that that sort of the communicating too much. I think I think one of the key, regardless of of how, you know, being honest and communication should be very transparent. But I think there for me, anyway, one of the things I value most in other people is just consideration. 
Mm-hmm. You know, like I just feel like it's a human value. That's like, if you have compassion, then you should also be considerate. So it's mm-hmm. like, and, and so communication and, and, and a commitment to transparency is not a license to just say whatever the hell you're thinking. Yeah. And because, you know, it's like, that's, we are in a vulnerable, we are putting ourselves in a position of trust. And we, when you're in a, in a relationship and you're um, in a position of, of vulnerability, which you kind of have to be for it to go forward, you're kind of trusting that the other person is going to treat you with some consideration, with some care, right? Like it's <laughs> like, and so it's like, if, if there, if, and so I do think that there needs still to be a uh, reflection, you know, mm-hmm. like it shouldn't just be like blurting out whatever it should be like, okay, I have a, I, there's something I want to share with you, but I, it's something that's a little, it could be hurtful to you. So let me think about how I can make this not hurtful or hurt, hurtful less, right? We, we see it in the world today, especially now, the distortion, the misunderstanding of what freedom is, freedom ex- of expression is, and so on. And and I think, yes, uh, it's, and, and the, the opposite idea is where you think like marriage, no, that's a prison, you're trapped. And so it's just how how you perceive it. But freedom of expression does not mean that you can say whatever you want, right? right. Or freedom, whatever you want to do. So if you are in a relationship, there are certain rules and that kind of rules of etiquette. It's kind of like, like you're saying, consideration and uh, taking the other person's point of view into consideration and uh, compromise and all that. And if you can't have that, I don't think you can be in an intimate and uh, successful relationship because it comes with it. And it's not a lack of freedom that it just, you know, you do have, there's no such thing as uh, unconditional situations. And even the term unconditional love, I think it's for us humans, it's, it's kind of misguided. There are of course conditions, you know, we do have certain conditions um, even with our children, but again, in a, in a relationship, much more so. And the condition might be, you will be with me and not with other people. Or again, if the conditions are more flexible, then okay, you have your own conditions there. But that needs to be clear and both need to agree on that. I think that's hugely important. Yeah. But one thing I'd like to know, how, as in, in terms of online dating, I, I think... It, it's kind of a gamble. I mean, you go through all the information that you see and you get an impression, but then you go on that first date. So how do you know the person is trustworthy? And then my follow-up question would be then, and maybe a bit later is what are some red flags to watch out for? Maybe you want to combine both questions here. Well, I, I would say these days there's a growing popularity of what they call the zero date. So not the first date, but a kind of predate, mm-hmm. and especially during in the, in, a, in a, these pandemic times, that may be a, a quick either a phone call or a Zoom chat, and then you know go from there. So you don't actually have to go out and go on the, or maybe that first coffee date is a little bit like that too. But at least you don't have to waste your time going out. Yeah. You you have and that it's happened where I have my little half hour chat close zoom it's like we're, we both know we're never going to talk to each other again and you're just at home you're just like that was no problem but i, I yeah. think it, it eliminates surprises there because that my old perception of it again it's was you go on a date and then you find out the person looks nothing like the profile picture right yeah. so i guess i mean with zoom you can still kind of play around and use filters no, and no, so on i, I think <laughs> I would say Zoom's pretty good for that because I that's okay. I've had a lot of people put up ten pictures that are ten years old or something. Uh-huh. Yeah, I had a situation like that a little while ago, and um, we're you know a little bit of texting, all this, have a chat on Zoom, and then the person who appeared in the camera was barely recognizable as being the same person in the pictures, you know, and so and it was clear that it was like an old picture, okay. and again that's that was really useful information to to have in in the uh, in you know in that little Zoom chat and. Yeah, for me, that was like, okay, then that's as far as we're going here, <laughs> you know, um, as opposed to, you know, I've met lots of people in coffee shops and having to go to that coffee shop. And then it's like that shock of like somebody coming in, not looking like their picture is somehow it's way worse when it's in person, you know, and it's, mm-hmm. and then for me, I, I've got to change this rule for myself. But in the past, I had this ridiculous rule that regardless, I would always give people time. 
you know, like, and, and I give them a lot of time. I give them like 90 minutes. So, you know, it's like, even that's though I, time. It, that's I know, it's time. too much, but you know, you're, we're both teachers, right? And for me, mm -hmm. like a, a basic conversation class, you know, when, especially when I lived in Japan was 90 minutes. And I sort of was like, I can do 90 minutes with anybody. And, and, you know, I'm just going to give them that, that, and part of it is that some people, especially when people lie, you know, it's like, I'm angry, but I'm also compassionate, you know, like I've had one of the big ones is I've had dates with people who on their, they, they've had like a face picture, but not a body picture. And they've just indicated they're sort of a, you know, normal weight or whatever. And, and they're quite overweight. And I don't, I don't judge them for that. I, I you know, that's, you know, that's just the way we are all made or whatever. Um, but it's, you know, it's dishonest to kind of misrepresent yourself. But in the same time, I just feel for them because I feel like they know what's going to happen, you know, and they're just taking that chance that maybe they're like, if you give me a chance, you'll see how charming I am. You'll see I'm, I'm not, you know what I mean? Like they feel if yeah. you have a connection or something. So, I, so in that case, I, I give them the time because I feel like this is so hard for them. And, and I know they tell me stories where people don't give them the time where literally people walk in, go look at them and go, hell no, and walk right out. Well, I, I mean, as, as a teacher, and I, I, I teach foreign languages. And so when the first question in French, I ask them, what's your name? And there is no response. I know that the whole interview and the whole test will not go well. The oral exam will not go well. But yes, I don't want them to feel bad. It's like just have the first question that you know what we're done. So I do follow up. But then I also feel bad because it's like, you know, putting them in a situation, if they can't answer the first question, which is the most basic one, they will not answer the other ones either. So I, I think finding that balance of like, again, I think hour and a half is too much there, but it's like, okay, well, we've got our 10 minutes. That was wonderful and have a great life, you know, and good luck elsewhere. Well, I, I, I mean, again, I, I think um, 10 minutes seems short. I, I, I would go a half hour, I'd say. Half okay. Because you can still just have, you know, one of the things that I started doing is when I would go on these dates, I stopped thinking of them as dates. Like, don't think mm -hmm. of it like, I like that. the only value of this meeting is the assessment of whether this person mm -hmm. is dateable or not. Mm -hmm. So an example was last summer, somebody just chatting with somebody online, sort of first contact chatting, and she was just like, want to meet right away. And I was like, all right, let's, I'm up for the challenge. And she's like, where are you? I'm like, oh, I live in Kits, so it's whatever, let's, and I said, I'll meet you at Kits Beach. And she was like, okay, I'm in the car, I'm, I'm actually just going to come over. So, you know, we had no, really no background, whatever, just pictures and a few text, lines of text. And um, and so we sat on the bench and we kind of watched the sunset. And I think we immediately knew that we weren't like couple material, but we had a lovely chat. Like we just had this really nice conversation and watched the sunset. And she was like a maternity nurse. And so just every day it's just babies being born. That's just her life. and. Um, and that's so like completely outside of my experience, right? I don't have children. Like I don't think of babies and children <laughs> even exist most of the time. And and so she, you know, but we sort of had this chat. It was very friendly. We were interested in each other in in, in the conversation. And and I was like, not bad for a Tuesday evening. You know what I mean? Mm -hmm, exactly. <laughs> and, and then she sent me a lovely note, sort of saying like, you know. I could imagine we could have all kinds of great conversations. Um, and you see, you know, you're a wonderful man, but I, I think we both know that blah, blah, blah. And I was like, that was a super civilized way of doing things. Mm -hmm. and, and I didn't regret it. I wasn't like, oh, I, you know, wasted my time or whatever. I was more like, oh, that's cool. I met this interesting person and I'll never see them again. Mm -hmm. Yeah, and I, I love that point. It's like starting off as, as as friendship, you know, and that takes away all the 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 edge of it, the nervousness, and then you can you can take it from there. It's like, no, there is more to it, or no, I don't think there is. But again, you might have just one a new friend over. So it's like yeah. I think that that is important. Yes, definitely. Um yeah. what about if you get the not the first impression, if it's not good, do you give that person if you think there might be something there do you give them a second chance yeah i do and i have and and like i'll go and it's happened where i'll go on a first date and it's there are definitely good things about it and i'm like mm. 
And they'll always be like, yeah, let's try this one more time. And, and often it's just, and I'll go on that second date and it, and it fizzles, but it's, but I'm glad that I gave it that, that shot, you know, like, um, sometimes it's just, just catching somebody in a different mood or something like that, you know, it'll just be sort of seeing that or, or, you know, just it, it worked for a second and then it's kind of, mm -hmm. ah, you know, nope. Mm -hmm. um, you, or you learn, you, or more likely you just learn a little bit more about them, you know, like where you mm -hmm. sort of go, oh, you have, like, I, I remember, you know, somebody who seemed really interesting and we had this great first date. And then the second day was like, we couldn't go beyond those topics. Like we just, the communication was kind of like wearing thin. And I was like, ah, well, we weren't, we aren't connecting as much as it seemed last time. Mm -hmm. um, but, you know, to be honest, I think, especially as we get older, the one of the biggest determiners of all of this is just straight up desire. Like it's kind of, I mean, it's, it, I wish it wasn't so, and, you know, and it's like, it's not, we shouldn't all be chasing some kind of high, right, of, of, of uh, infatuation or whatever, especially when that's not going to be so much a factor as we get older. But at the same time, and I think this is an interesting, this is a sort of a question I was going to ask you, what you mm -hmm. thought about is like, you know, we all kind of want and need for desire and attraction to be part of, part of the recipe, you know, like we're not, we're not all so pure that you are connecting purely on a mental or emotional level. Um, and knowing that I've been in a relation, you know, relationship long enough to know that desire comes and goes and you kind of work with it. But, you know, I think that's when you're in it, you know, like, but it's sort of, so, you know, it's always sort of like how much is enough, you know, and is, is sort of a question sometimes. And I think that's a big determiner where I've been at with people is between the first and second date, what happens is, oh, there's a spark, there's a bit of chemistry. And then that chemistry kind of just fizzles out in the second time where it's like, Oh, I'm not actually that attracted to them. And I know it's the same way with me. Like I, and then that when they're responding to me and, and the other one that does is a little bit sad for the human race, especially during COVID, I sometimes had really long text uh, communication with people and it was great. They were articulate, they were intelligent, they were funny. And we, it was, you know, and we just weren't switching to any kind of voice or video. And, and we were just getting really, really into like, talking about all of this really intense stuff. And then finally I'd be, Hey, let's have a, like a zoom chat. And I, I saw their pictures, so I should have known, but I was still like, ah, you know, maybe. And then when I saw the zoom, I was like, yeah, no, this is just like, no way. And, and then of course it just all dies there, you know, like, cause it's so hard to, to pivot to friendship at that point. I mean, some people could probably do it uh, cause you're kind of focused on dating, but it's kind of like, ah, and it's just like, oh, really? All of that excitement and all that sort of real connection. But if there isn't that sort of spark of actual desire, yeah, I don't really care. <laughs> Bye. Well, it depends again. But I think it's like when we look at um, like in, in, in North America and uh, marriages are, are based on, on passion, on love, whereas in many other cultures, they have arranged marriages. And some of those marriages actually turn out to be okay, even though it's uh, there is none of that. There is not the desire probably is not in there. I think when parents choose who you should marry, and I I, I don't agree with that personally. But there are um, success stories there that yeah. relationships that do work. So I I think um, for me myself, if there's like probably a lot of passion there at the beginning, it will fizzle out. I think that's that's kind of guaranteed. So if 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 that's your main decision there, I don't think that would necessarily work. And so when I see it like relationships, one way of approaching it, which is not the most romantic way of, of doing it, is like a cost benefit analysis of pros and cons and looking at it. But we're not talking about necessarily just just money. It could be, but it's also the um, time that we invest in it, the effort that we put into the relationship. And if you feel that apart from the desire and, and everything else, if you feel that you're basically wasting your time, you're basically um, um, wasting uh, your energy, I don't think that will work. And we see that with people who marry their high school sweethearts, and it might work out, but in, in many cases, 
it doesn't. But then you kind of like stick it out. It's like, well, I'm stuck, right? Nothing I can do. Or we have kids and what can you do? So I think it's it's really important to to find that out. And um, so it's not just purely one thing, the passion, but it's like, a mix of other things as well and a rational way which again sounds uh, uh not romantic but I, I think it is important of seeing it in a, in a clear way is this going anywhere is there potential here or not right and to make that decision not when you're 10 15 years in a relationship but really from from the get-go kind of try to see that what do you think What's your opinion? I, I just, I, I mean, it's a really interesting question because I, I feel like, you know, I'll, I'll be very honest and say I, I struggle with this. And I think a lot of people do in, in the dating world because, I mean, part of it, there's a lot of choice out there, right? Like, you know, or at least the illusion of choice, you know, mm -hmm. where it's, and so on one hand, you know, and, and I, I actually, I saw a therapist for a while who's really, really smart on this. And he mentioned that actual desire is not a predictor of long-term success in a relationship. Mm -hmm. And I'm going to be honest. And I was like, what? <laughs> you know, kind of blew my mind. And, and, and I was like, what? And then, and I was like, of course it isn't. Yes. Right. Right. You can't make it on that. So how, Although that is the case, um, yeah, I just still feel like a lot of sort of the dating world, I mean, maybe not everyone, but there there is that, I guess it is a, um, a feeling like there should be a spark, right? Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. yeah. And there should be that, that connection. Mm -hmm. um, but how much of that needs to be kind of raw physical desire is, is maybe the question because here's maybe the mistake that I've made in my life and maybe why you're in a long-term successful marriage and I'm not is when I would date someone and there would be some initial excitement, attraction, whatever, when that physical desire would fade, I would be like, well, then I guess they should just be my friend. You know, like then the, the physical part of the relationship is going to kind of fall away, you know, because it's harder to maintain that, you know, like if there isn't a lot of sexual desire, it's probably not going to be a lot of sex, basically. But, but like you're saying, it comes and goes. So I, I wouldn't be too worried if it's like, okay, right now I don't have it, but tomorrow I will, you know? So yeah, it, yeah. It, it's kind of like we, it's kind of the ebb and flow there that we get. And, and I think it's like also like for me, trusting your intuition and saying, I have a feeling that this is this is the right connection. There's a spark there, like you're saying, and be willing to to take that leap. Right. Once you have the intuition that not based on desire, or passion only, but also like this feels right. Oh, yeah, and I'm absolutely. kind of also checking it and saying along the way, yeah, does this feel right and so on. And then at some point, it just becomes kind of more automatic. One of the problems is, uh, I think it's we're looking for the perfect person and we're looking for the perfect relationship. And so a lot of people get like exasperated. It's like, oh, there's these things I wanted in a relationship I didn't get. And now I'm going to look for somebody else. Maybe they will have it. Or you leave this person for another person because it will be better. And it might be better for a while in your perception. But then again, people are showing the best faces. They're putting the best foot forward also in, in terms of dating. And same as a job interview. Yeah, You don't go and say, okay, well, I got the following weaknesses. And then slowly when those weaknesses creep in, then we get scared and we say, no, maybe I can find somebody better. Maybe I can improve on the, the person I have and find somebody who has all the qualities I want. And that is uh, going to fail in, in, in most cases, I think. Yeah, I mean, I, I agree that it should be based on solely on, on you know, desire. And all, but I think we just sometimes... What am I trying to say? Like it's it's sometimes I think we're we're in a difficult place where we're like, uh, feeling it, not feeling it. Do I keep going? Do I try? Like I think it's a constant negotiation in our own minds. Um, and you know, I think it's it's just net to me, it just feels in a way it's simple on a, on a human basis, maybe. Mm -hmm. 
but it's a different very and and whenever people talk sort of try or even myself try to quantify it it kind of flips away from me you know yeah. where it's kind of like yeah it was because again it's like when i look back it's like ah but i don't think i could have gone on you know what i mean like i couldn't have simply said no i'm gonna i'm not really feeling with this person but i'm just gonna keep on with them you know it was just like mm -hmm. eh, no <laughs> <laughs> anyway that's enough for that um let me mm -hmm. let me uh ask you something sure. here um so what do you think, what is your take on um, polyamory? And let me just preface this by saying like, I I think polyamory is an interesting uh, experiment that people do, right? And uh, and I, 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 I know a few people who are at least sort of heard about other people who have been into that. And um, like, I guess in principle, I respect people who say that it's working for them. And so I'm not trying to take that away from them. I'm saying it might, potentially work for some. I'm not going to say it doesn't work ever. But I, I think it's like kind of runs counter. I could be wrong, but it seems to run counter to something very human in my in my opinion. I, I think just just actually a few days ago, I, I, I told my wife that I don't understand how people have polygamy, how they can have more than one wife. So yeah. and, and, and for me, again, if, if we see it in, in that kind of uh, perspective of like an investment of time and effort and so on and the communication and the presence um, there's only limited time that we have so and I think if you try to separate it among like various other people you will have you will not have one complete relationship it's just like bits and pieces so uh, I don't think that is actually physically emotionally possible to have that right so and that's why it just to me would make sense to to be just in in one relationship and getting to know that person uh otherwise you would also get confused i i'm impressed with people who have various kids and i'm thinking how do you separate them how do you know each of the names and what you said to this person and this person i mean i know they love them all i i don't doubt that but i think like in terms of like really like close relationship with your child I couldn't understand two, stretching it to three, but that's where I would draw the line. And it's like, you won't be able to be present for all of them in the same way than you would be for one or two. So the same, I think, would be in relationships. So yeah, um, it's possible, yes, but it won't give you that, that deeper joy. And I think one of the fears that many people have, and it might, might be a driving force there, it's just FOMO. The fear of missing out. And it's like, okay, I now I'm going to be with this person. Maybe this will be better with this person. And it's like, at some point I say, you know what? Make up your choice. You go to a restaurant, you pick a meal. If you like it, that's going to be fine and satisfying. But it's like having bits and pieces from the whole menu. I don't think that will be satisfying. But again, this is my personal view here. Yeah, I mean, I think... The time thing is a big one where it's like, um, I I don't know how they schedule it, and, and you know it's just exactly yes, and and it's just there's some only so many hours in the day, and when I am in a relationship, it, I find it hard to to be as present as I want to be in that relationship, you know, given the demands of a of a of a job, but also of just being on, on some alone time. Um, and so I, again, full, all hundred percent respect to people who, for whom it does work. And I'm not trying to take that away, but I do know of a case of somebody who was in a poly relationship with two women and then three. And I just sensed like somebody who didn't want to be alone, like ever, mm -hmm. like not for mm -hmm. five minutes. And it was a way of plugging every hole, you know, like every gap yeah. and saying, I don't, um, I, you know, I just, to me, life is lived with other people. And, and I guess for me, and this is kind of lead me to a next other question, but you know, the re relationships with other people only work if you have a really solid relationship with yourself first. Oh, and, yeah. And That's to have right. that relationship with yourself, you're going to need to spend some time alone. And, and uh, I think it's Robin Sharma who says, you know, like, what does he say? He says, when you're in solitude, 
you very poetic he says you hear the whispers of your your higher self you know and it's like that is that higher self that doesn't always get expression in a relationship with other people because that's that's between you and you <laughs> you know like that's no one else is going to have that perspective and um and so if your life is just people 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 all day it's like when do you stop and reconnect with yourself and that's absolutely i think that's vital and 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 that is probably the issue with many uh, failed relationships because if if you don't find yourself if you don't know what you want how can you tell the other person what you want from them right so and that creates all these layers of uh, misunderstandings of anxiety and so on and yes absolutely but it is hard to do that it is hard to to really connect with yourself and sometimes you connect with yourself through the other person by exploring things that you 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 didn't think you had and for me the relationship is always this like third entity between you that is there and um i think it's just like basically like like a yeah a third entity that grows and becomes something else and yeah. then that's the combination of you two now if you put other people in there it just becomes too crowded i think so yeah. um, that is uh, i think uh, hugely important but um the relationship you have with yourself absolutely and then you can explore that even deeper and say the relationship you had with your parents, because in many cases, we do project some of those needs onto the other person. And that, again, causes a lot of suffering that is it could be dealt with and that is often unnecessary. And that's sort of like that sort of inner child who may be carrying around some trauma from be it abuse or perceived abuse, you know, thinking of Gabor Mate's kind of view of yeah, things. Absolutely. Um, and and you, you, no one's going to be able to, to to heal that except you, like you, on your own. So yeah. um, now, just a kind of uh, a, a different perspective on that. Um, not necessarily polyamory, but a but a, a related concept. Just recently, was talking to somebody who's into this is ethical non monogamy, and um, and so the way that she was describing this, she had. She has also been dating for a long, long, you know, doing the online dating thing for a long, long time and just coming to a point where going, you know, I, I keep looking for that one person who's going to meet all my my needs as, as a, in a partner. And maybe that's my mistake. Um, so she's kind of going to trying this ethical non-monogamy to kind of parcel out her needs, you know, so maybe she can meet one person where the 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 desire part is strong and, and she can, I, I know you want to make that all part of one thing, but you, maybe you come to a point where you're like, I'm just not having that, you know, like it's just not on offer. So it's like, yeah, I, I, I'm a sexual being. I still want to have sex, but I may not, but am I going to just have to wait for that meaningful relationship for the rest of my life? And then I also want to have, you know, this connection that's awesome over here. And it's like, maybe, maybe I'm, it's it's a mistake to try to find it in one person. And if everybody's being very honest, then, you know, it's like, yeah, I like you like two, two days a month. I like you in small doses. You know, I, I like you because you do that one thing. And then I like this other one because they do that other thing. And I slowly pull together a life. But that's not a relationship. That is like, you know, trying to get the most out of the, I don't see the give and take there. No, I don't see the compromise of, of that. And when you're looking for the perfect person, you will never find them. And that is just something that we have. And you don't actually want that because um, what makes it interesting, that relationship with another person is that there are there is friction, there are flaws and so on. So that is also important to, that's how you grow and talking about growth and trying to overcome them to 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 the degree and working together and kind of working as a team. And I, I don't like the sport analogy so much, but I like the idea of it and to see yourself as a unity. And when you are just looking for something, I want this and this, it's like, you know, a catalog and you say, okay, I'm going to shop this. I want this color and I want that. And it's, it's not, you can't do that with uh, another human being, I think. So I think it's just that lack of understanding of what is it you really want in that case. And um, we're and, dealing and with another human being. And hold out for it forever? Hmm? And then hold out for it 
Hold no, out. I wouldn't. I wouldn't hold uh, hold out. I would just try out and say, okay, being realistic, does that work? What does my gut feeling tell me? Is this something I want to pursue? Does it satisfy my needs? But then also thinking of the other person, right? It's not just about your own needs at that point. So um, we should not forget that. It's like it's, you're dealing with another person who has their own mind and own feelings and their own experiences. So it's complicated. I, I, I think definitely it's, it's, it's quite complicated. It takes a lot of work. But um, I, I do believe in people like soulmates. But I don't think if you meet your soulmate, it's going to be solved and you're going to be happily living happily ever after. I think once you have that, then the real work also begins of like, okay, we have to make sure we have communication, we have presence, we deal with situations and uh, kind of that unity grows and you become more bonded to the other person, more bound to the other person. And that is a sign of freedom for me, uh, ironically, um, because then that kind of identification with the other person, we've gone through things together, we've dealt with this, right? And that's, uh, I think that's hugely important. Yeah, okay, fair enough. Um, and so, but like, if you were single and mm -hmm. would, would you hold out for that or would, would casual sex be a part of your, your, uh, your dating life? Hypothetically speaking, um, I, I, I think it just, you know, you just have to see, I think you'd have to try out things too. I mean, I, I, I think that's, that's kind of necessary and that's part of it. And being open to, to some experiences, I, I wouldn't just say, okay, I would um, just wait or for things to happen, or I would just like refuse others until I meet the person who's perfect. I think you do have to take a jump here and there and make mistakes and choose the wrong people and um, from, to learn from it. So I would say holding out, not necessarily. Once you know what you want, once you feel comfortable with yourself, go out and uh, and and date. And that's yeah. that's something I I, I think I, I haven't done enough when I was younger because I was kind of afraid of that, or I was looking for for somebody who would meet those requirements. And I think that's a mistake. I would say, you know, just go ahead, date. Find out when you're, again, at a certain stage of your life and then decide what is it you want or at any stage of, uh, of your life. It can happen at any point. And um, um, being open to others, not not just necessarily holding out or, or just waiting. I think that you're missing out on certain experiences that way. Yeah. Good and bad, right? I think the bad experiences are probably better in this situation because that helps you to see things in a different way. Yeah. Yeah, I agree. I, um, again, it's a fine balance, I think. Um, and and I, I I dated somebody a, a while ago, and they had been quite like they had a kind of an ethical non-monogamy thing going with a bunch of people there for a while. And then when we were, I mean, we were didn't date very long, but when we were dating, it was because of COVID or whatever. Just it was exclusive for a short amount of time. Mm -hmm. um, but it sort, of, it sort of all made sense, you know, it was sort of like her, you know, having several partners before, and then she was also into having threesomes. So she was doing that and then she wasn't doing that. And it was, and then what I sensed, and she seemed in this way, very healthy. She sort of accepted the, the default of being alone, you know, like, because mm -hmm. we ultimately are living this life, you know, as one person, you know, and we are with somebody and even when we're with them, there are times when we are a little bit apart from them. You know, there's there's always fluctuations. People come and go from our lives. So the default is it's you. And you. I think the key is you have to be okay with that. Mm -hmm. Right. Yes. And I, and I feel like that's the struggle too. And I think, you know, even from a media perspective, it's always the couples that are, are celebrated and anybody single is in a, in a, in a, in a place of lack, you know, where it's like, mm -hmm. what, what are you doing to get into a relationship? Like you're out, you're, you're out there. You're not living life. You know, your life mm -hmm. is lived only when you are with somebody else. Mm -hmm. um, whereas really we're all going to be, we're all going to feel alone sometimes, even if you're married or whatever, 
and they're just gonna that so i feel like that has to be like should be more like celebrated where it's like it's fine you know like I, I think it's it's fine, of course. If that is, again, something that uh, um, you want and you're fine with, absolutely. But I think it's also like the idea, it's like when you have a marriage or you have a family that it is just wonderful. And it, it is to for some and to many and at various points. But it's not, again, that idea of perfection is not really true. And you, you have to get inside uh, the the room and the, the situations and to, to figure out how, how, how difficult it is at times, right? And um, I, we've seen it with the relationships too that looked fine. They seemed happy, this happy family. And then you hear that there's divorce, they're breaking up. There are, there are many complications there. So we have to be aware that whether you are alone, uh, single, or in a relationship, or have a family, it doesn't guarantee that you are necessarily happy, or that is the best thing for you. And so it, I would say it's nothing comes easy, but that's the good thing, because it takes effort. And many people have the perception, it's like, okay, now that I have, I'm, I'm married, now that I have my family, I don't have to do anything, that's it. Here we go. Everything is like smooth sailing. And no, it's not, right? And so I think that's what the media does too, is presenting something as the ideal, but it doesn't look at it realistically. Right? Yeah. So, and, and yeah, we see and, that and with, with right. works of art, just works of art. We say, oh, this person is a genius, or they created this movie, or they created this painting. But then when you look at the, the lives, like how much effort it took them to get there, we don't have overnight successes. That doesn't exist. It's people who work all their lives and then they finally get a break. So I think that's how we should see it too. Not just a genius. Geniuses have to work. And I was, uh, we watched uh, the series on Einstein, like how much he was constantly like working and nonstop thinking. And uh, a movie of Picasso had lots of women and he painted and tried this and struggled and had to work. And we don't see that often. We just say, oh, you're a genius. There you go. Another painting done. No, it doesn't work that way. Yeah, like Louis C.K. I know mentioned like when he started getting really popular and famous, people would be like the overnight success, and and he would say, yeah, like the overnight success that took ten years, you know, exactly. times that he had to sleep in his car, and and you know the the the, the many many years that he yes. just sucked, like he just mm-hmm. was the worst comedian doing. But we like, don't talk about that. Game. We don't see that. You know, and we don't have access laughing. to that. Yeah, I, I loved it when, when George Harrison, they said, oh, it's a comeback album for him. And it's like, what do you mean comeback? I've always been here. <laughs> I didn't go away. I've been making records and albums, but now you're finally giving me some credit for it or it's successful and popular. Good, but I haven't stopped working. And I think we, and again, that element of work, it's not the most romantic thing to say, but this is how relationships work. I think it's not you know, you meet somebody and everything is fine. And movies end at that point, but we have to also see what comes after. Um, so just uh, in terms of online dating, I want to uh, ask uh, again, finally, one question. We probably talked about this, but what is some advice you would give to people? What are some red flags? What are some pitfalls? What should we watch out for? And how can we find out that this could work? What, what is your um, uh, experience there or your feeling about this? I think I, I'll just say this about, well, I'll say more than that, but I'll say, you know, I always felt like online dating in the abstract should have worked, should should be like great, like, because it seems such so efficient, right? Like, mm-hmm. what's the alternative? You know, waiting for happenstance, you know, through your friends, go to a bar, like, you just don't have that, you're, you have such a limited pool of, of, of options that way, right? Whereas here you can just scroll through infinite number of profiles. You have all of the key information you need to at least, you know, kind of get started. Um, and yet people, it's, it, you know, for most people, it's a very frustrating experience, right? And I think one of the things is that there isn't, a, there kind of isn't enough information, in, you know, in a, in a profile. Um, and you know, you can sort of assume that whatever, and, and I guess the human mind fills in the gaps so quickly, like we're so quick to kind of project, even if we have pictures and whatever. And then photos themselves, 
not that anyone, I mean, some people are trying to be deceptive, but it's like they don't, they, they, they can be deceptive inadvertently. I think mm -hmm. one mistake that people do is they'll have this awesome picture that just, they just look fantastic, but it's kind of a trick of the light. And then the, the biggest, I, this one I totally don't understand, a lot of women will apply um, a photo filter to completely remove every wrinkle so that they look smooth as a Barbie doll, even though they, they're 51 years old, right? And so it's like, we, when we meet, I have, I'm pretty sure the photo filter is not gonna be working anymore. You know what I mean? Like, and so it's, it, it's pretty easy to see because when you do see this, like when there's like no, like, like change in the skin is just like completely flat. Um, but people can also be subtle with it, but it's like, it's not, and I know it's sort of to try to attract th that mate, you know, initially, and then hopefully there'll be something later, but, um, but it's very jarring to, to see somebody's face that looks very, you know, maybe 10 years younger because of that. And then you meet them in person and you're just like, did, you know, did you send your mom? Like, you know, like, so so that's that's a, a, a one red flag for me. It's like very, very super clean sort of skin. Um, and whatever the pictures are, it's like, yeah, you'll get a general idea, but don't don't put too much stock in it, you know, because it could be old or whatever, it could be just people look different in different lights and whatever. Um, and make no assumptions, you know, like just and um and so whatever they may seem like that's that's cool that's a starting point but yeah like do a little texting whatever the other one for me is like don't don't let the texting go on too long because again the, the projections and the fantasies begin you know and it's like mm -hmm. so that that's another that's a good point. i've made that mistake of where i've literally text like exchanged emails with people for three months like i was dating other people too but it was like for some reason we weren't meeting we're just and we got so into these emails and again, they seem so fantastic. And then as soon as we met, we we're like, oh no, chemistry <laughs> yeah, yeah. wasn't there, right? Mm -hmm. And so, um, you know, have a little bit of background before you meet someone. Don't just like show up and hello, but um, but just sort of don't go, let it go on too long. Um, and I don't know. For me, I just like to give people a chance. You know, like I, I, I have a friend who's very like, they, she's always like they must like this type of music. They must, you know, share all of these interests or I'm not even going to start. And, but if uh, it's important to them, okay. But uh, it makes it so much harder too to, to, to find another person that fits all those requirements. But if you say like, I want somebody who loves pets because you do have a pet and they don't. So if that's important to you, I think, yes, that could be important for, for, for that person. Right. But not to make it that limiting that there's only like a couple of people in the world that would uh, meet those requirements. Absolutely. And there are other well, things that are probably more important than the ones we think as requirements. Yeah. And, and I, I, I always want to be open to the, that sort of unlikely connection, you know, like <laughs> the heart wants what the heart wants. And I think we can sometimes connect with people across, I mean, that's the, where the Japan element came in, where you can connect with people across a cultural divide, across, you know, like, oh, that's so weird. Like, I, I don't share your musical taste or whatever your taste. Um, and, uh, and yet, maybe there's something there, like, maybe you'll connect on some other level that you're not even thinking about, and something else in you will come out. And it's like, I don't, so I, I've, I've done that a lot. And I feel like sometimes I've done it too much, because I end up just going, oh yeah, right. We don't actually share any real the interest beyond, and then it gets a little bit lost in that that euphoria of, of of desire and all of that kind of stuff. And I've made that mistake many times. Um, and um, the other thing is um, one I'm really taking to heart is the advice: don't chase. You know, like don't like. There's nothing, nothing, and I do this. I, I tend to get into seduction mode as soon as I'm sort of connected. Or I'm not. There comes a point where I'm not really even thinking whether I want them or not. I'm just thinking about how to get them. <laughs> you know what I mean? Mm -hmm. like, it's just like something sort of flips over in my mind, mm -hmm. and I'm like, "That's this is a project now," and um, and then it's like, if it, it doesn't, and it's and it'll work to a certain extent, but it's going to set 
a precedent for your entire relationship where you mm -hmm. are the chaser, you are the seducer, mm -hmm. and they're kind of sitting back going, what, what do you got for me today? And it's much better, say hi, in, initiate contact, but you're kind of inviting somebody to your life. You know, you're mm -hmm. like, hey, mm -hmm. my life is awesome. I like me, mm -hmm. I like these mm -hmm. things. Mm -hmm. I'm just curious about you. And if you want to, you know, check me out and join me here, awesome. But don't go to them. You know what I mean? Like, don't mm -hmm. be like, I want to be part of your thing because your thing looks way better than my thing, you know? Like, <laughs> yeah. And that's really the only way that you'll be able to attract people anyway, right? Like, if you can mm -hmm. sort of sit back and go, like, yeah, I'm very content in myself. And they're like, oh, really? Uh, now I'm curious. <laughs> mm -hmm. so and, and, and often it's not, it doesn't come out in words. It's just like you, you, you show it to the other person. They see it, they sense it. And it's like, oh, what's his secret or what's her secret and so on. And I think that is, uh, that is attractive. And of course, the uh, sense of humor and um, being confident and all those things I find uh, quite attractive too. And so once you can show that, then um, the other person is just naturally curious. And it's like, I want to find out more about this person. Yeah, yeah. Mm -hmm. Um, wonderful, wonderful discussion. Um, and thank you so much, Chris, for being here. For this is the Chris and Arash show, and uh, we talked about relationships. I think there was tons of stuff that we covered, tons of stuff that was new to me, maybe some stuff that was new to you as well. And uh, thank you very much for being here, and look forward to our next uh, next chat. Yeah, me too. It was great. It was great talking to you. I enjoyed this. Mm -hmm.